Apple is no longer the most cash-rich company in the world. Uh, it's been talked about a lot that Apple was sitting on all this money. A lot of it offshore, different places, Ireland, uh, tax purposes, not wanting to bring the cash back to the U.S., and just earning so much of it to begin with. But that's uh, they're no longer at the top of the list for companies sitting on the biggest pile of cash. Uh, in fact, recently Google passed them, which is kind of surprising because they had such a lead in that department. Apple's holdings of cash and marketable securities, net of debt, has fallen to $102 billion, down from a peak of $163 billion at the end of 2017. Alphabet, on the other hand, parent company of Google, has been moving in the opposite direction. $117 billion in the cash pile, which has risen by $20 billion over the same period of time. Now, this is not the same as the, the value of a company. This is, this is actually just the stockpile of cash that they're sitting on. Liquid money assets sitting there uh, in, in various places. And there has, there's actually an argument for not doing this. A lot of investors, stockholders would prefer that a company that has this much, this kind of a stockpile would redistribute that money to the shareholders in the form of uh, dividends, some other form, or to, to be using that money for improvement of the company. Like if it's just sitting there in a stockpile, it ain't doing very much. It ain't working for anyone very much. So some investors actually, I believe Carl Icahn, really big investor who has commented on Apple in the past, has said, the switch in leadership follows a concerted effort by iPhone maker to reduce its liquid reserves six years after it first came under pressure from activist investor Carl Icahn to pay out more of its cash hoard. So they've been nudged in different circumstances to do something with this money. And then there's the other side of it, which is the uh, increased scrutiny from regulators saying, hey, uh, it's about time you bring some of your cash stockpile home, do something with it. So Apple actually brought back, uh, how much money did they bring back? They, they had a one-time corporate tax break which was offered to companies to bring foreign cash back to the U.S. and pay just 15.5% tax instead of 35%. And so they brought back a lot of money in that particular scenario as well. And, and so it just it seems, to, it seems to be that Apple is attempting to tackle that stockpile of cash. What, what a weird problem to have, Will, mm -hmm. where, they, where you have too much. You're being criticized for having too much cash. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a problem you probably deal with on a fairly regular All the time. Place. Guy like you. It's you just so get too much cash sitting around. Another thing Apple did, they spent $122 billion on stock buybacks over the last 18 months. You know what's weird? It's trying to figure out how much cash a company like Apple or Google should have just on hand. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the right amount? Because you're talking about enormous companies that are, they're, they're employing, tens of thousands of people, they got to have some reserves sitting there. It can't be all tied up. But the question is exactly how much. Now, obviously, in Apple's case, people were critical of them sitting on $163 billion at their peak. You know, guy like you, Will, 
You're sitting on a similar figure. Oh yeah. Easy. 163 billion. So I'm a I'm gonna have to put the pressure on you now. <laughs> it's time to repatriate those funds. Yeah. I'll give you a one-time deal. I'll put it in R and D. Yeah, I'll give you a one-time deal. Well. So Alphabet, you think this is like a weird flex for him? No, I don't think it's a flex at all. I think uh, there's probably good reason for it. Not everything is calculated within these structures. Uh, I think they're going to take more heat now that they have surpassed Apple in this department. Yeah. There, again, regulators are critical of any of these types of behaviors because they're not exactly great for the economy. If if Apple's got $163 billion sitting around, they could presumably either be putting that money back into shareholders' pockets to then be redistributed as wealth or hire more people or invest in new products or projects. It would go back into the... Yeah, expansion. Back into the, the pool company. of available funds. If you just sit on it in the bank, it ain't doing much for anyone. So regulators don't like this. And Apple probably didn't like the, the being under that particular microscope. And so they've sort of changed that a little bit. And also, like I said investors don't like it because they as far as wanting to be involved in a particular stock or maintain their investments in a particular company i mean it, it could, could be it could be a substantial enhancement if you're getting these payouts as opposed to having a company just sit on it so uh, i can see where they're coming from uh google may is if google's doing well don't like don't don't get it wrong mm -hmm. they're doing just fine but they are moving in the other direction. We'll have to wait and see what they do, what kind of fancy work. But for the record, this is this has nothing to do with the the stock value. It has nothing to do with the how successful the companies be. I know a lot of people probably want to jump on this and be like, "Yeah, Google, Google passed Apple because Google's better, cooler." Like that's not really it. In this case, it seems actually fairly calculated by Apple to go in this direction. But we are talking about tremendous, enormous sums of money being uh been played with here and uh, we have seen a shift at the top mm. and that of course is scrooge mcduck that's you will that's scrooge yep. will show me a picture of scrooge mcduck that is will he's got 100 and he's got 162 billion and uh it's not enough cash to find a cure for the cold though mm -hmm. yeah i'm still working on yeah that ain't enough all right Invest in it. You got to have a pharmaceutical company and some other stuff going. I don't know what you need. Meanwhile, I'm doing brushstroke in the coins. Yeah, see, the <laughs> coins, there's too many germs on the coins. Yeah. That's what got yeah, you. Too many. That's what got you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, new Galaxy Note 10 is coming out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, hot new. Hot, hot off the presses. Hot new Galaxy Note 10. So you can maybe grab a couple of your coins there and pick one up. Uh, it, it looks like it's not going to have a headphone jack. And we have like some new evidence, relatively new ed evidence here that, that that's going to be the case because there's pictures surfacing of the dongle. Do you ever think you'd be looking at dongle leaks in 2019 as a grown man? Mm -hmm. No, you didn't think about no. it. But there you go. You got a dongle leak. USB Type-C to mini jack connector. Many presume that this leak points in the direction of the extinction of the headphone jack for real now. And I think they might be right because when Samsung bails, that's it. It's a wrap. Yeah. When Samsung bails, what you got left? And they're the, they're the last remaining major player giving you the headphone jack. And so the Note series bails on it, the, uh, presumably the next S series. Now, people are saying 
that it's likely that Samsung will include Type-C headphones in the box or maybe even Galaxy Buds on pre-orders as they've done in some circumstances in the past. So that might lessen the blow a little bit, but really, Samsung was that they were the last, they were the last soldier in the fight. They were the last ones that really uh, could keep the dream alive for those that loved the headphone jack. I know there's other devices out there that still have it, but they were the last, you know, big name, mm -hmm. big volume guys putting headphone jacks out into the world in numbers. Now that era, we got to put that era to bed and we just got to move on, Will. And I know a lot of people, they don't want to. They don't want to move on. Funny enough, I feel like the budget phones, they're the ones all keeping it. They're the ones that all, all need it. We're seeing phones, you know, we look at phones for the Indian market, they've all got the headphone jack. Yeah. Well, we know the future is wireless. The future is wireless, 5G. The yeah. future is wireless. Will he do? Yeah, of course. I mean, what are you going to do? But you can't. It's just not going to perform exactly the same. Like There is a, there is a, yeah, a people sure. have a point. Mm -hmm. It's not going to perform the same. And the, the, there are certain circumstances which convenient to have a, a physical headphone jack. But yeah, it's over. Why are we even talking about it? It's over. Mm -hmm. It's over now. Get, uh, Samsung gets rid of it. It's over. It's a wrap. I think it's kind of funny that we're getting a leak on a on a dongle. Of course, Samsung will reveal the Note 10 very soon, August 7th. Wow. You should talk to someone from Samsung. We got to we gotta make a video or something, dude. <laughs> Is that what we do? Yeah, I don't know. You got to talk to somebody. Yeah. August 7th, because I don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm flying to New York or whatever. So okay. make a note on the spare time. We got to Samsung. I mean, come on, figure it out. We got to check out this Note 10. It looks, it looks good so far, so... But anyway, we got a dongle leak. It's the first ever dongle leak. And, uh, it, oh, another piece of this, may, they may continue their partnership with AKG, which is kind of nice because you get an actual upgraded headset from what you would normally see inside of a smartphone box if you even do get a headset. Mm. And, and they teamed up with AKG a while back. So maybe you get like a nice Type-C AKG headphone. And then you don't have to cry about it too much. Headphone jack is over. Let's move on with our lives. Uh, oh, and adding adding some fuel to that fire. Samsung, who's still making Android tablets, even though it seems like Google want to get out of it. Uh, I mean, just you don't see a lot of them. They just never took off, really. Samsung ain't giving up on the idea. They still they want to go toe to toe with the iPad. If the iPad is still there, they still want to be there. So they've announced the Galaxy Tab S6 which it looks a lot like an iPad. It has a type cover to go with it. looks like sort of like a iPad Surface mm -hmm. hybrid with the keyboard case on it at least, mm -hmm. at least the implementation of the keyboard case. There's some pen input as well. This one also lost the headphone jack, and that's a huge device. Mm. So you will be like, man, if they took it off of there as well, then they're really they're getting serious about the extinction. The funny thing about this device, the pen goes in a weird spot. It doesn't have a cubby to go in. Looks like there's a groove on it. It doesn't clip on the side like the iPad pen. And instead, it goes on the back of the device. There's a slim groove for the pen. But it's going to create a bit of a hump when the thing is sitting flat on the table. Uh, you know, 
I don't know if I mind it, to be honest. I mean, the pen doesn't look as chunky as the Apple Pencil. But if you will go back to when it's actually installed on the back, if there's a picture where it's actually... You know, one of the things that kind of bugs me about the iPad pen location is when you go to hold the iPad, it you want to grip it where the pen is. And if you grip the other side, you kind of feel a little bit nervous that the pen is hanging off the lowest point if it were to bump into anything. Mm -hmm. I don't know about this implementation. Obviously, I got to try it out. And the pen itself doesn't look as cylindrical. It looks a bit flatter. But again, I got to play with it. It's a, it is a weird spot to put it. But maybe they have good reason for it. And, and maybe it could be an improvement on the, on the iPad setup. Anyway, to round out the specs, it's around 650 bucks. 10.5-inch OLED display, 2560 by 1600, Snapdragon 855, 7,000 milliamp hour battery, 6 or 8 gigs of RAM on there, 8 megapixel front camera, and the rear has a 13 and 5 megapixel. It's crazy light. It's 420 grams, and it has an in-display in fingerprint scanner, which is Samsung's first time that they've ever done something like that. So they still want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the iPad, they're, they're, the Android tablets are hanging around the Ars Technica headline, Samsung won't let Android tablets die. I mean, it kind of does feel that way at this point. They're still out there, useful to a certain extent, and uh, keep keeping up, I guess, from a feature perspective with what Apple's trying to do on the iPad. Nice that it has OLED, and it'll be interesting to see how they implement their pen setup, keyboard setup. Their keyboard, to me, immediately looks a little more pleasing than the iPad equivalent. At least it has hard keys that look more like laptop keys. And then, uh, but it's not gonna be cheap. I'm looking at a year, 180 bucks for the keyboard case. So taking cues from Apple on the pricing scheme as well, unfortunately. Uh, anyway, Galaxy Tab S6. You remember we were talking about uh, GameStop a little while back? Mm -hmm. Like doing like a renovation? Yeah, they were trying to, they were trying to really kind of change change the vibe, change the, change their brand, really, rebrand. I mean, they're keeping the same name, but, like, they, they hired some firm to to keep the retail stores alive to with a focus more on, yeah, eSports. That was number one, eSports and retro gaming. That's sort of, like, they had the boardroom meeting. They're, like, what is still, ha how, where is money being transacted still? eSports retro gaming and the reason for that likely to do with downloadable titles so we have a new report here today that GameStop has laid off dozens of regional managers as it searches for a future and so this started out actually on reddit where a number of GameStop employees went on went on there and reported that their sales supervisors has been had been laid off and then they circulated an email about the restructuring of the company Apparently, there's an effort going on to lower the expenditure of running the company, find efficiencies. This is the type of stuff you hate to hear. This is the type of stuff, well, when, when things are going downhill, you hear this, find efficiencies. Mm. It's like uh, if I came into work today and I was like, all right, guys, gather around. We need to find some efficiencies around here. You see how that just sounds oh. terrible? Yeah. It like just sounded like, Oh man, things ain't, it's not great. Yeah. Things are not great. Yeah. It, it, you know, so they're fully in that state right now. Now, I'm not criticizing them for that. I think that's what you do, right? When you're trying to swim out there, 
in the murky waters when the sharks are circling. You got to make moves, man. You can't just sit by and... But, like, you started to hear this stuff with Toys R Us. Remember when Toys R Us was... It's like, I don't know, we can't find a buyer. Should we go for bankruptcy, keep some stores open, find efficiencies? Now, GameStop, they themselves, they were looking for a buyer also. And they couldn't find uh, anyone interested, at least, I guess, uh, at the, whatever whatever they were, were looking for. They couldn't find the right suitor. So it was never sold. And they're still going to they're gonna make a go of it. So more than 50 people, apparently, according to this report, have been let off across the company's regional sales team. And then other employees went on to say that those teams were already shrinking, in which case a lot of these field leaders were taking on a, a role of uh, assuming the responsibility of even more stores than they previously had to. So those are some high-paid individuals. Those are some some of the uh, upper upper end of the employment that were laid off. Now, we can speculate, like you and I, as we're guys in the world, and we're aware of what's happened with video games, right? Like, so you can you can imagine how much their business has changed in a very short period of time, right? They relied on physical copies of games being sold. They rely on uh, used games, the used game market. Physical copies of games, it's just, it, at first I remember it was so protected. We talked about this on a previous episode. Then it just convenience won out as far as downloading games. There's a statistic here. Uh, via Sony, they announced on their earnings call that digital game sales on the PS4 had surpassed 50% of all game purchases mm. in the previous quarter. So this thing, people are comfortable with it now, Will. It's not, there's no apprehension yeah. about the digital game purchase. It's not like when the Xbox first came out, the recent version, Xbox One, people flipped. They flipped. What do you... There was a rumor, right? Wasn't there that no physical games, completely digital. No, no used games. No, there was no used mm -hmm. games. They weren't going to support used games. One-time deal. People flipped out. And but the truth is, the user behavior, it tells you the truth based on the numbers here. People are downloading their games. You're probably downloading your games if you if you have a console, and that just immediately eliminates fifty percent of their potential customers. Mm -hmm. Then the 50% that are bought physically, imagine how comfy people are with like Amazon now. Just order it online. What customers are left? Yeah. Like that's a serious question. I really want to know who goes to GameStop. Are there any customers left? Or is this, is there even a need for a game store? As sad as that is to say. Yeah, the only type of person I can think of is maybe a collector. A collector, a retro, maybe retro gaming. Yeah. That's about all we can seem to come up with. Now, on the esports side, they seem to think there's potential there as far as hosting homegrown events. And maybe that's a possibility. You know, they've got all this, they've got this retail footprint, and maybe they can turn it into some sort of esports circuit. It's some possible. But those types of adaptations, completely overhauling your business model, they take time. They're really hard to do. Mm -hmm. So that's not, you don't flip a switch and just figure that one out. Uh, Anyhow, they're in trouble. They laid off a bunch more people, and it doesn't seem good to me. Like, it doesn't seem like uh, they're going to find a way out of it, not in the current formulation. I think they got to uh, consider a whole different business model. I don't know. I'm not looking at their internal numbers, but you keep seeing these signs that indicate, and then you have your own intuition about what's happening in the marketplace, and you can't imagine 
the game store of the future looking the way that it does right now. For the record, I'm not saying that digital purchasing is better. Go ahead, have your physical copy. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the, the, the data's there. Yeah. The stats are in. The experiment happened and digital won. People chose it. And what people choose is what will be. Mm -hmm. That's the end of it. Uh, did you know Teslas are a lot less likely to be stolen than the average car? They're about 90% less likely to be stolen, in fact. And there's a report here that showed stolen Tesla vehicles in the U.S. have almost all been recovered. There's 115 stolen, 112 were recovered. That's crazy. So, of course, these things are high-tech. Everyone's got the app. They can be tracked. And so even if a, even if a thief gets, gets in your car and is able to rig it up, hack it, make it drive you could just be like you could just call up nah, the cops and yeah. be like here he is that didn't go well that wasn't too much fun uh so yeah they have this chart it's uh, the highway loss data institute they do this uh survey this chart of stolen vehicles and the relative claim frequency of a particular model compared to the average average being set at 100 the model s is 11 and the Model X is 12 uh, uh, whole vehicle thefts for 2016 to 2018 model years. Very low, very low theft figures, obviously. Now, a lot of this has to do with volume as well. Popular cars likely more, more stolen than less popular ones. But I have to think stealing a Tesla has got to be the worst move of your life. Like of all the cars you can steal. Mm-hmm. Because, first of all, that, per, that owner is more likely to be savvy. The vehicle itself has all kinds of cameras and... Yeah, you, you can't hotwire it. No, I don't know how you, you know? start it up. Yeah. I mean, I assume you could hotwire it if, in some way. Yeah, maybe use a hacking tool or something. <clears throat> but, but yeah, there, so there is yeah. actually an example here in Europe where there were some sophisticated thieves that managed a string of Tesla vehicle thefts through something called relay attacks. But even those vehicles eventually were recovered. I guess these things, they're connected vehicles, right? They're, they're constantly communicating back to the web. They, they've got SIM cards in them. Yeah. So You can uh, just, like, program it to go home and then it'll... I mean, it has... Yeah, there's summon features. The car knows where it is. The car is very intelligent. Yeah. There's all types of technologies in there. And the average user like has this app association and this whole other piece going on so even though it's a, a very expensive vehicle it probably could be worthwhile to try and steal and i mean there's a whole system how people i guess steal these vehicles and sell them and ship them overseas or whatever it is that they've done but so that's where the recovery component comes into play and is actually really interesting uh you can steal one but we're going to get it back from you anyhow so i mean I don't think Tesla owners necessarily need or te would be Tesla buyers necessarily needed this information to be pushed over the top to potentially consider one. But it's a little bonus for you if you are a Tesla owner. They are scary to criminals. Your Tesla is scary to a potential thief. Comparative to the average vehicle, yours probably is going to be where you left it when you come back. I guess that's pretty cool. Now, one thing, this chart... It actually shows some of the lowest figures, so it's worth noting 
There's some other cars that are similarly stolen not that frequently for whatever reason. BMW 3 Series, Chevrolet, Equinox, Buick Encore, Subaru Legacy, a bunch of others. And I'm sure if we go look at the top, you're going to see your, your standard. Because you know another thing, Will, when you, if you're going to go steal a vehicle, you, want, you should probably steal something that's ubiquitous, that's everywhere. Right, because then it's like the report goes in. It's like, oh, they stole another gray Honda Civic. Yeah, it's just a statistic. There's a, there's a gray Honda Civic that's missing. Keep yeah. an eye out. <laughs> Say, well, there's a lot, you know, unless you got the VIN number and the, it's tough to track. Mm. You start stealing a Ferrari or something. There's not that many of them. If you try to move that thing around in public and it doesn't belong to you, mm -hmm. you're already catching a lot of attention. Now, a Model S is still pretty common comparatively to like Ferrari or something like that, but it's nowhere near as popular as a, a Honda. I remember for a long time, minivans were something people were stealing a lot of. So anyhow, whatever. Get a Tesla don't, and it won't get stolen. Here's a cool story, Will. This one... Uh, this one really caught my attention. It merges some of the worlds that we like to talk about. Bollywood rapper sets viewer record YouTube isn't talking about. So this dude, I'm going to say his name probably wrong. Bad Shah. Maybe I said it right. Bad Shah. This is the story I'm looking at on Bloomberg. He just, they just, he came out and just bought a, bought a boatload of ads. Yeah. Pre-roll ads. And he crushed the YouTube 24-hour viewership number for views. Within 24 hours of posting his video, Pagal, to YouTube, Indian rapper Badshah broke a record even Taylor Swift couldn't touch. The clip, the clip, a dance hall romp. That's how Bloomberg is describing Ooh. his song. They're saying it's a, that his song is a dance hall romp, which is which would fit right in on your playlist. Frisky. Yeah, exactly. It was seen 75 million times in one day, eclipsing a mark set by Korean boy band BTS in April. But the funny thing is YouTube didn't say a word about it. Now, normally in the past, they would celebrate a record like this being, being busted, but they were, they were quiet. Well, they were shh, shh. Because... It didn't come from a typical source. It wasn't from like a preordained band or name. It wasn't a Taylor Swift type of thing. It wasn't westernized. It wasn't western. But then again, BTS isn't. Well, I guess it well, is. BTS is really westernized. Well, I guess it is now, but it's not a western source. No, no. But but Blackpink is on there. They're number four. Anyhow, Blackpink. Anyhow, this guy <laughs> says that he's being discriminated against. Yeah. He says India's on a come up and the rules should apply to me because he says, or at least people close to the matter, seems to indicate that everybody's doing this activity of purchasing, purchasing views, particularly through YouTube service. So what a precarious situation in which the content you're watching on YouTube and the view count associated with it is boosted by that individual purchasing advertising views to make it look <laughs> to you that their content is more popular than it is in order to get stories like this to then promote some actual real views and awareness. The whole time, 
Google banking on both ends. Google banking on the end of, well, you're watching it as a user because you've now found out about it. So therefore, we're going to earn some ad revenue. And then getting the actual producer to pay to create the ad revenue. Getting money on both sides, Will. I don't know what 75 million views cost, but it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money this dude invested to get to the top of that list, probably in hopes that he would end up getting shouted out by YouTube and creating a stir about having passed all these big-name artists that previously held these types of records. He probably couldn't reach into his pocket to hit some billion-view count like some of those big artists might. But he was like, you know what I can do is I can get the daily record. I can go for 75 million starting in India and going from there. So it puts it creates a really weird scenario for for everyone involved, for the for the creator who feels they need to elevate their view count to make it seem legit. In fact, in this Bloomberg article, they're saying how many actual record agreements now have built into them how many views am I going to get paid for? Have in it, how many views are you going to guarantee me if I sign with you? Isn't like because the view count is the is the legit the great legitimizer in the music business. It's like, oh, you're gonna go on tour, oh, you're gonna um, charge for tickets. Like, how popular are you? Let's you look at the view count. Yeah, you're gonna have some appearance fee. It's like the view count is the great legitimizer. So they're having to compete in this department. You can't this dude. Well, I mean, maybe he can come out with like a million views and no one cares. But if you're like Taylor Swift, you can't come out with a couple million views at this point, Will. The bar has been set. You got to be, you got to keep hitting these astronomical figures and they keep growing. It's an arms race for views and Google's getting rich from it. Mm -hmm. How crazy is that? The whole thing's rigged. The whole thing. And they're, they're basically not even trying to hide it at this point. Now, it seems Google doesn't really care that much about that. They're like, yeah, go on, go ahead, do what you're doing. Buy the ads that way. But on the other hand, there are some executives close to the matter here in this article that are saying, well, what about bots? What about click farms, right? If you're okay with this, how about this? Because there's speculation that some of that might be going on as well, all merged together in this great hybrid of hybrid view count. Now, Google, we know they target those click farms, those bots. That's not cool to them. They don't want those views. They don't want their figure getting all screwed up from that standpoint. But it's hard to know. It's got to be increasingly hard to know. And it's definitely hard to know as a viewer watching it, what's what. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and you got to imagine if you're Google, these the tactics that the bots and the click farms are going to use to make things seem like real views they're going to have to keep getting more sophisticated mm -hmm. too if views continue to be this important and view counts so anyhow when you're looking at these view counts just know his wait a second his thumbnail says 100 million plus views on it yeah i think it's at uh 100 million. but he went and changed the thumbnail to reflect the fact that the song had passed 100 million you see what i'm saying yeah. that proves the point right there is that the view count is the content the view count overwhelms whatever it is you're about to watch you're like oh it's a hundred million view song it i guess i like it 
I guess it's important. I guess I should care. Now, I'm not trying to single this guy out, to be honest. I thought that him passing the record was interesting, but I'm not trying to single him out because I don't feel like he's doing anything different, at least based on what, I, what I've read here. So I think everybody, it's just better if we're all aware of the tactics being employed and you just kind of, you look at these view counts for what they are and you, your assumption is that this is how they operate instead of thinking there's anything uh, authentic or organic organic that there's anything organic happening there so anyway it's a it's still a bunch of views and if the person saw them via an ad how is that different than mtv back in the day advertising the premiere of some upcoming music video to get your eyeballs on it? it's really not all that different it's just the tactics and the awareness maybe will what we're gonna have to have in the future and this would probably wouldn't be great for youtube's business but maybe what we're gonna have to have is an authentic organic view count and then also uh represented right beside it a paid view count and you're gonna have to and you're gonna have to see both of them in conjunction so that you know as a viewer what's what so they can still have the big overall view count but you can break it out if you mm. really feel the need to know what's real and what's not right or just enjoy the song or video or yeah maybe know? just forget just, about the view count all, but yeah. it's impossible yeah it's impossible, Will. That's how we watch things. I mean, if we're being honest, you can't help but look at it. the view count. It's in a prominent location, the view count, man. If I if you land on a video with like 17 views, you're like, whoa, where am I right yeah, now? Questionable. Right? It I look feels, at the, the like and dislike ratio as well. Yeah, man. <laughs> you can't help it. It colors your experience. All right. Last one for me. You probably heard about this story. Very big story. Ninja has ditched twitch for microsoft mixer i think this news broke yesterday this is a this is such a big deal right i mean the news was 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 all over the web it's on gaming sites it's on <coughs> entertainment sites it's on tech websites it's trending on twitter they put out this video kind of like a commercial a fake press conference type of thing here where he he, he states hey i'm going to this mixer platform i gotta be honest at the time I, was, I wasn't even aware what Mixer was. I mean, I'm just going to tell you the truth on it. And I'm not alone. In fact, the user base for Mixer is actually tiny in comparison to the numbers Twitch is pulling. And there you go. I believe his first stream is today on Mixer. And he's got 70,000 viewers right now. It's featured prominently right, right as soon as you go to Mixer.com. <clears throat> and a giant banner. For a limited time, subscribe to Ninja's channel for free. So he has effectively uh, take, taken a payment, obviously, from Mixer to exclusively stream here and bring his users with him who will then subscribe here and everyone will make money here instead of over on Twitch. That's really what happened. Now, I did a little bit of reading about Mixer. It does appear to have some features that Twitch does not. Uh, and of course, it's a it's a much less crowded place from a user base perspective. There's far fewer people streaming here, so there's going to be a, 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 a few more eyeballs to go around for the people who you know, like a more prominent position for individual streamers who might have a following, who might be able to sign maybe deals like this to a lesser extent. Now, the rumor is <clears throat> that the deal is in the seven figures somewhere. So I don't know, five, 10 million, between five and 10 million would be my guess. 
for this move. I don't know how long the contract is, but it sets a new, it sets a whole new stage for how this stuff happens moving forward. You can imagine, let's say he signs a one-year deal with Mixer and the deal's about to end. And then he goes back to Twitch and says, hey, I'm thinking, switch it, coming back. You know, here's the here's the negotiation. It's like once these users, once the audiences become mobilized and they're willing to go to different places, now the platforms kind of have to bid. They have to have a little bidding war for the prominent content creators like himself. Now, he's obviously huge in the space. He was the biggest thing on Twitch for a really long time. I don't think Twitch is over. Obviously, they've got a... They've got a huge brand there and a ton of uh, uh, a ton of producers, content producers, streamers that are on there. But Mixer is also no joke. Mixer is backed by Microsoft. And so now you're like, well, Microsoft, that's a very that's a big company as well. They're invested from a hardware perspective and a software perspective in the gaming culture. You can imagine them launching game hardware through Mixer building hype through relationships like this one they have with Ninja. They're a diversified company in a way that Twitch isn't really, even though they're owned by Amazon, they still kind of operate independently. Mm -hmm. So Microsoft can do some compelling and interesting things for a guy like Ninja that Twitch maybe can't, maybe not immediately. Mm -hmm. Now, I thought it was interesting in his announcement video, his other sponsors were, 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 were shown prominently. So he's got the big Adidas sweatshirt on, and then he also has the Red Bull fridge in the audience, which asks a mock question wearing a press hat just to get it in there. So you have to believe that there's some sort of a correlation there. Like, imagine the contracts he has with those companies because he's streaming on Twitch. Mm -hmm. So now imagine the paperwork involved of being like, okay, look, I got this offer to move to Mixer. It's a good deal. Here in this, well, let's amend the contract so streaming over there is equivalent to what, like, oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. The pieces coming together, it's, 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 it's an incredible time right now. Things are happening. But in a way, you do kind of worry <clears throat> that these, that these uh, services, that these brands in the space, these sites, sort of become like, like record labels. And there's all this movement and you're expected to go to all these different places to watch your stuff, which could be more work for you. I get it. You could put out a better version. Mixer might be this next version, this next place to, to stream content, watch content. But what about the next one after that? What about Sony's? And what about this one and that one? And then there's a dozen and all these people are distributed because they're all on these different deals. And you got to go to all these different places to watch them. That kind of sucks for the end user. Mm -hmm. It's nice to go to one place. And, of course, YouTube has benefited greatly from that, being like this one place for video content in most segments. And the user ends up winning because they don't have to manage seven or eight different sites, subscriptions, payment terms, credit card connections, apps, and so forth. So we'll see how this pans out. But congrats to Ninja. I, I, I presume that this is a really uh, compelling thing. I presume they, that <clears throat> Microsoft made a really great deal to you, in which case... <coughs> good on you for doing something that's probably really hard decision to make. Uh, it's never easy to disrupt the status quo, even if you got a sweet deal staring back at you because you don't know how everyone's going to react. Mm -hmm. And long-term, you're not sure what it's going to mean for your numbers or your popularity. So these are tough moves to make. 
And uh, so you got to commend Ninja for that, for being on the forefront of it. Now we just got to wait and see how big Mixer can actually get. Uh, one thing I will say, he's already got like some 20,000 subscribers. Well, based on when this article was written, it's probably bigger than that now. Does it say here 2 million views? 425,000 subscribers, which is incredible. But keep in mind, that's a free sub this month. So the subscriber benefits this month. The supporting You become a supporting community member, 22 custom ninja emoticons and no ads. But then after that, what does it go? It's $7.99. It go, it's actually a little more money to sub than it is on Twitch. Twitch is $4.99. I believe it's going to be $7.99 here. So how many of the 425,000 current subs are going to uh, are going to maintain the subscription once they have to pay for it. That is the key metric to track. That's the thing we got to be watching. But in the meantime, congrats to Ninja. Congrats to Microsoft. I think it's a big win for them as well. If the audience is cool with it, then this kind of thing could actually be good for the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Diversify the marketplace. That's interesting and that's cool. Will, I don't even have any time. I'm I'm on the clock so hot right now. Mm -hmm. You heard the door over there. Yep. I'm on the clock so hot right now. You got the nose thing going on. Do you want to hit me with one thing right quick, or are you happy to leave it where it is? You got to hit me. You're hitting me with something. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's just do a weird one. Mm -hmm. Um. So this is from Cheyenne. Hi, Will and crew. What are your thoughts on ketchup? I personally hate it. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. But what about you? What is your favorite condiment? Also, what are your thoughts on Pakistan? Okay, so I'm going to focus on the ketchup component of this question since it seems to be the most prominent one. It's pressing, yes. I actually don't really care that much one way or the other with ketchup. If it's there, I'll use it. If it's not, no big deal. I don't need it. Mm. I don't need ketchup. Uh, every so often, if I have a particular type of French fry, a fatter French fry... I'm more interested. Yeah, a thick cut French fry. I'm more interested in ketchup than a thin one. Uh, on a burger, honestly, if I had the choice between ketchup or barbecue sauce, I would take barbecue sauce. To be clear, with onions or something and some cheese. Like, why'd you look at me like that, Kirk? You don't like barbecue sauce? No. On a burger, it's like you're messing with the classic taste right there. No, 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 no. Barbecue burgers are well established. There's a lot of barbecue sauce burgers. I mean, think about it. You put barbecue sauce on ribs. You put barbecue sauce on. You have barbecue chicken. You have. Uh, I mean, it goes on everything that goes on the grill. I mean, it's called barbecue sauce. So, you put it on the grill. It's it's open game. But uh, I am not a connoisseur of ketchup by any means. I will use it with a thick cut French fry if it's on a burger. I don't care. That's cool. That's fine. I'll take it. I don't need it in my life. No, absolutely not. Oh. No, Man. absolutely not. You're missing out. So, so, uh, yeah, just a little bit, a little dabble. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't, I don't need it, man. I'm telling you right now, I do not need it. Not that I have anything against it. It's a really weird one for me. I don't feel strongly one way or the other. So, what's your favorite condiment? Barbecue sauce? I, I, yeah, I would take, I would oh, say yeah. barbecue okay. sauce is my, well, first of all, what constitutes a condiment? Is that anything you put on top? Cause, or is it just sauces? Just sauces? Okay. If it's just sauces, then I'll take barbecue sauce instead. I wouldn't want to live in a world without that. Mm. Um, mustards. Let me tell you something about mustard. Okay. A lot of people don't know Canada produces a huge portion of the world's mustard. 
and some of the some of the best mustard in fact no i'm not talking about do cheapo mustard will neon yellow stuff i'm not talking about it will you understand there there are some mustards out there in the world that will blow your mind i have recently been experimenting uh, buying a mustard from a company they sell it at longos it has like a polish name i can't remember now what but it kind of mustard but it comes from canada okay so like you a got, honey Dijon. so you got so you got you got obviously like a Dijon mustard, which is potent. It's in your face. It's mustard. It's a commitment. It's a whole thing, but it represents the taste and a, in a, in the passion of the flavor. But they got a smoked. They got a smoked one, and they got a maple one. Mind blowing! If you get a sausage and you get these guys mustard which is like a Dijon kind of base. It's a heavy mustard base, but then with a little sweet in it, and you hit it with a proper sausage. You don't need a bun. You could have a bun if you want, but you don't need a bun. You could have a fork. You just hit it with a little bit. It can create a magical moment. So that's good too. I don't care about ketchup that much. Ketchup to me is just sugar. It just tastes like sugar. That's it. There's but no, it's so savory. It's, and it's no, delicious. it's not savory. There's no saltiness. Yeah, there is. No, it's just sweet. Ketchup. It's uh, sweet and salty. Barely, barely, barely. Mustard, that, now that, that'll hit you. That'll give you a punch. With some sauerkraut? It'll give you some punch. Absolutely. I'll also say I'll t I want onions on everything. I'll also put that out there. Like I, onions? I want or, onions uh, on the sausage. Red. I want onions on the burger. I want onions on the hot dog. I want onions on all of it. So if that's... You got to be particular, man. Like, uh, is it grilled? Red onions? The, oh, the onions themselves? No, 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 no. Yeah, red. Yeah, it could be red, red or white onions chopped. Okay. But not grilled. I don't need it grilled. Okay. I mean, I'm not gonna be mad if it's grilled, but I don't, I don't need it grilled. Okay. So, yeah, th there you go. That's it. Right. Barbecue. I mean, that's really what I should be doing right now. In fact, and you should be too. So, yeah. I want you to, I want you to have a, I want you to have a tremendous weekend. I want you to get outdoors. Mm. I want you to cook some food, some good food. Not from a restaurant. I want you to cook it and enjoy it with the ones you love.